welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastured Pig Podcast. As always, I am glad that you've decided to listen to our podcast and and dive into another episode with us. Uh, Give a little updates, and then we'll jump into our discussion with our guest today. But uh, really what's been going on is uh, it's been an interesting summer, of course, with dry spell in July and then probably the wettest August we've had on record. And we just had the remnants of Hurricane Ida come through last week and produced, uh, I believe, almost seven inches of rain for us. So that was a bit of a uh, bit of a challenge, but fortunately it, it was spread out enough that we didn't have any flooding, but we've definitely had, uh, had a lot of water. In fact, I had an uh, excavator scheduled for the entire week and had to cancel that because, yeah, it doesn't do well to excavate in downpour. But uh, things are doing well. We've got uh, our, our pigs are growing out and we'll have a processing in January of um, our entire growers that uh, that we farrowed earlier this year. So looking forward to that. It's interesting. I'd be curious. Uh, obviously, there's no way for you all to respond right now in this this format, but I'd be curious to see if people are seeing an uptick in demand. Uh, we're seeing that in our area, more people looking for um, custom, the, the bulk uh, pork so they can stock up. So I don't know if it's a just a, a, a heightened winter push or if, if pandemic issues are still causing people to look at that and, and trying to stock up more. So which is a good thing, obviously, for us that have, produ- uh, uh, that have products that we can sell and we have animals that we're ready to go, then that works out well and, and obviously helps uh, the farm continue to be profitable. Well, I wanted to continue to give a shout out to uh, to all of our Patreon supporters, those of you that have just been faithfully supporting. I mean, I really appreciate that. I know um, as far as your, I don't want to discount the fact that every month you're giving money to some dude that just talks into a mic about pigs. And I just, I really respect that and appreciate that. Um, yeah, as a small business owner, it's, you know, each customer is dear to you. Uh, and, and the Patreon supporters, I see the same way. You guys are dear to me, and, and it helps definitely justify what I'm trying to do and, and the things we're expanding into. And just really excited to be able to pull the trigger on some of these things as, as we're getting really close to meeting some of our benchmark goals. And then uh, you'll be able to turn some additional features on, and hopefully you, know, you all will find those features um, uh, beneficial in, in your efforts as knowledge base and those type of things go. So excited to roll that out. Uh, if you're not, not sure what I'm talking about, uh, check out the link in the show notes here, and you can check out our Patreon page. It'll, it'll kind of tell you the goals we're trying to reach and, and how close we are and, and those type of details. So you can kind of explore that. And if you decide uh, as little as $5 a month to join in and help us out, that would be great. I'd, I'd appreciate that effort. Well, today we are going over to Princeton, Minnesota, and we're going to speak with Walker Farms, uh, Andy Walker, who who runs that with his brother, George. And uh, very interesting conversation. The, uh, the Walker Farm is, is definitely what I would consider on the higher end of production, uh, and they are a polyculture. So when you when you look at the amount of pigs that they run, you think okay maybe it's mid-sized pig operation, but but factoring in some of the 
the other livestock that they have and some of the other things that they're managing there. Uh, they've got beef. They've got, I think he says he does about 2,500 broilers, uh, turkeys and lambs and you know, egg layers and all that. And every bit of what they do, they direct market. So um, it's interesting. I've, I've got in my notes here that we'll probably um, look to have Andy come back on and maybe even his wife who helps him with um, kind of managing the marketing, the direct marketing of that, the advertising. Um, I think yeah, his wife and his sister all kind of tag team that effort. Um, some of the direct market discussions we get into a little bit, but we may have to have him back to really get into some, some deep um, marketing discussions. I, I enjoy talking shop with other people when it comes to that. But, but in this conversation, of course, we talk about uh, their setup, their operation, what they're doing, not only with their pigs, but uh, the benefits of the polyculture and uh, even talk about some of their delivery services and, and uh, uh, you kind of hit the tip of the iceberg with their online sales. So without any further ado, we'll jump in and let uh, Andy explain what we've got going on and I'll catch you guys on the back side of the interview. Today, we're going to venture all the way over to Princeton, Minnesota to Walker Farms and speak with one of the farmers there, Andy Walker. Welcome, Andy. Hi, how's it going? It's going well, going well. We are we're doing, we're, we're coping with the heat. We're kind of doing a rain dance right now, so we're hoping to get a little bit of rain. How are things out in Minnesota as far as climate goes? Uh, we were pretty dry. It rained pretty much all day today, and looks like this weekend's supposed to be nice. We needed this shot of rain. We were getting kind of dry, but it's been a pretty good spring for the most part for everybody around here. Yeah, yeah, we've had a really good spring as well, and then like the last two weeks, it just it just stopped raining and, and got in the high 80s, which is unusual for us this time of year. Normally, it's it's not that hot that quickly. But just in time for the holiday weekend, it looks like we've got three days of rain lined up when I want to try to do a bunch of outside stuff, but you know how that goes. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got, we got uh, like I said, it rained all day today. We needed it, and it doesn't sound like we're supposed to get another shot until this weekend, but this will help the... Help the uh, grass grows a little bit more. It is supposed to get kind of cold. We actually have a freeze warning or freeze advisory, to, I think, tonight. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you still have to look at that that far north. All right. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's do this. Let's let's talk about Walker Farms. Give me that, um, that overview um, inf- information about Walker Farms. Explain what you have going on there holistically. Uh, well, Walker Farms is ran by myself, my brother George, and our wife, Annalise. Uh, Annalisa Walker is my brother's wife, and then Rebecca Walker, Becky Walker, is my, my wife. Uh, the four of us are kind of run it all, and then my parents, George and Tammy, don't get that confused, you got George and the George, but yeah. they, uh, they also help us out. Uh, we rent a little chunk of their land, and then uh, we do beef, pork, broilers, layers, lamb, turkeys. I think I got them all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're actually, this, uh, I think we're supposed to, we're going to dab, my dad's going to dabble in some bees actually this year, which would be kind of cool. So, and then we rent, we run about two, right around 200 acres that we rent. Um, and a couple farms we rent. And we do everything regenerative is our, is our big, our big uh, push to everybody around here. We try to keep that grass growing and keep alive root as long as we can. Okay, so it sounds like you got a six-pack of walkers working on the farm there. And is that, it sounds like the scale that you guys are operating at, that, that's 
It's pretty good size, right? So what are we talking number of head here usually on some of your key points? Oh, uh, well, our, our beef is about 30-ish head we keep around. We have a very, very small cow-calf operation. That's more or less for marketing purposes and everybody likes babies. And then uh, on the pig side, we've got, we got 20, right around 20 sows that we farrow on pasture. I've got two groups. And then we keep, we got about 38 to 40-ish, uh, you know, the whole range of gamut of size of pigs that we're butchering once a month, sometimes twice a month. Um, so we keep our sizes. we got a hodgepodge of about 50 to 80 head at, at any given time. <clears throat> and then uh, our broilers, we're shooting for this year, we're shooting for right around 2,500 broilers. Uh, and then we try and keep a, about six to 700 layers as we can. And then uh, turkeys, we usually do about 100 to 150 turkeys a year. That's more of a seasonal. We do those specifically just for Thanksgiving. Uh, and then uh, lamb, we did ten, we do about 10 to 15 lamb a year. Yeah, we, you, you guys aren't fooling around up there then. It definitely sounds like it's a pretty substantial operation. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, let's drill down to your pigs here. So what? Uh, well, actually, first of all, so this is a family a family affair. It sounds like, and it sounds like your folks uh, maybe did they start on this land and you guys came in and, and just expanded from there. Well, it's a uh, that's a very interesting and somewhat little bit of a long story, but I'm going to tell it because it's it's pretty cool how it all worked out. Yeah. Um, it kind of uh, my my mom's been working on writing a she's working on writing a book. We keep on giving her crap about it, but uh, kind of a bookend thing. My parents uh, started farming in the early '80s, late '70s, early '80s. My my they got in 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 with a company called Control Data, and the the idea that Control Data has at the time was that they could take anybody with marginal farming experience or no farm experience. And they could put them on a chunk of land, and if they were diversified, and they and if they had the information, they could make it farming. That was the whole idea behind this control data project. And so control data came up to north, we're north of the city, is about 40, 50 miles, and they came up and they bought I don't know how many acres, hundreds of acres up here, and they had uh, at least seven or eight families, maybe ten. Um, that they started with farming. So my parents were, were part of that uh, in their early 20s when they came up here. They built the house, you know, there's kind of a contract thing. So my parents started with hog. They had to have two entities. My parents picked hog and then vegetable farming. <clears throat> so they were doing farmer's markets down in the cities. And then I believe when they started, my dad was just doing uh, feeder pigs. So we did farrowing and he sold feeders. And then uh, in the early, late 80s, I was, I forget how old I was, but I was pretty small at the time. Uh, my parents bought out their contract with Control Data, bought the, bought the 180-acre homestead that we had, or farmland we had, and then they went on their own, and Dad did, went to more row crop, and then we started finishing. But at our peak, we were doing about 100 sows, fair to finish, and roughly 500 acres between what we had in our place and what we rented. Um, we did all that. Dad did that for quite a few years. And then in the early 90s, like 93, 94, when the market went really bad, and my parents decided to, to get out. 
and we actually, you know, we live, we're kind of a bedroom community of the cities. Everybody was developing land and developing houses, you know, there were houses being built like crazy at that time. And so my parents, uh, what is it? I think there's 30 acres left of the original farm. The rest of it is, has all been developed into houses. So I've been in farming my whole life. Uh, when my parents got out, I, I kept doing everything with 4-H and FFA and, and whatnot. And uh, my brother went to went to college. I came back. I read the you know the good old Joel Salton Joel Salton Gateway to Farming book. I call it the the pasture poultry right pasture poultry prophecy. You know? yep, yep. And I read that and I got the idea. Hey, I could maybe do something like this. And at the time, I was actually living out in Ohio. And uh, then I came home in 2012. I started doing the poultry stuff, and I've always wanted pigs because that's what I grew up with. I always had 4-H pigs. You know, I had pigs all the way up until my senior year of school. I always had them and sold them. And so then I started doing pigs up at my buddy's place, and that kind of morphed into this. Then I did a little bit more, and then my brother was actually farming in Wisconsin doing the same regenerative, you know, beef, poultry, and pork. He was actually buying pigs from a guy that I was buying pigs from, and then he ended up having – ended up kind of had some bad situation, he had to get a divorce there, and then he came home, and when he came home, was that four years now ago, five years, we joined forces, and we, we kind of went, all right, let's do this, and we hit the ground running. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's that's great, man, that, that that's, shows a long history there, and of course a dedication to, to focus on farming for you all. Now, were your, when your folks did that back in the 70s and, and 80s, was this a regenerative uh, approach to agriculture, or was it more traditional? What what were they leaning toward then? No, that was more. It was it was. I should probably elaborate on that a little bit more. That was actually in cahoots with the U of M too. Um, oh, okay. This control data project was the U of M. So my parents' house and the barn and everything was designed by the U of M. It was it was all about the information. It was conventional at the time. We had fair and create. It was all conventional or regenerative. It wasn't really the the buzzword there at the time and um, what's funny about the whole entire thing is it was it was set up to have information so my parents I remember we had a computer you know way back in the front we didn't have the internet then but you were supposed to have all this information well the information wasn't there that was the downfall they, they couldn't get the information mm-hmm. my parents couldn't yeah gotcha. See, the idea was that you know if you have information you'll be able to do well push come shove now we're now we're in 2021 I mean and the information there wasn't podcast. I mean, the information George and I have are, are available to us is crazy. You know, I'm, it's just nuts. And mom and dad said, you know, if this project happened now, it probably would have been a whole different story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There wasn't the internet, and there wasn't. It was the information was there, but it was really slow to get there. You couldn't get it as fast as you can get it now. Yeah, what, well, interesting. I mean, as a, as a data guy, you know, that's that's about background in data processing and data management. I, I love the idea of that, but you're right. That was that was definitely ahead of its time. And yeah. and man, yeah, if you'd have if you'd have even waited, you know, fifteen twenty years, you you probably could have generated quite a bit of, of data uh, to to use. And, and, and my folks, my, my dad was always kind of on the edge of, of we were doing when they went on their own. Dad went. We it's pretty sandy soil here. I call it beach sand. I mean it's it's sandy. Hmm. We can get an inch of rain and be in the field the next day. I mean, that's how oh, sandy wow. it is. That's nice. So dad, dad switched over to doing all uh, no-till. We were doing no-till, and then by the time we were done farming, we had actually built 
two, we had plans to build four of these big biotechs, the hoop building. Yeah. So it was a big bed pack. You put about 250 pigs in it. And, I mean, those burnt. My dad loved these. He would have built five more of those things. They were just great. Just, he was, they had done some out, outside farrowing and tried some stuff outside. Didn't have, a, you know, great luck with it, partially because it was one of the, like, Montagos. They farrowed, like, 50 or 60 pigs outside on a dirt lot, and then it rained for, like, four days right oh. when everybody was farrowing. Yeah. It was oh. just a big mess. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Wow. Well, that's great, man. It sounds like you've got a, um, a great pedigree there for, for being on the farm and, and taking all this stuff on. So let's, let's drill down to your, to your, at the pig level now and give me uh, some little details about your pigs as far as, as the setup you have for there, your infrastructure, your layout of your pastures, maybe even the breeds you're, you're working with. Yeah. Um, so we primarily, we shoot for, uh, we like to have 50% Burke in everything we do. Um, as much as we can. Uh, so we have Burke, Duroc, and Spot, Old Spot, Cross. It's kind of our three, our mix. We have some other hodgepodge, other ones in there, um, some hamps and, and whatnot. So one of the farms we, we rent, we refer to as the Thompson Farm, it, uh, it was a hog facility way back, you know, he was farming back when my parents were farming. And he was not a controlled data farm, but he was farming. And uh, so we ended up renting that three years ago from him and got the barns kind of, he, uh, he's got they're like old silos that he firmed up they actually work really really nice um, and with a run in them and then some outside pens so we did that for a couple of years there and then actually this last October I got the luxury of going out to uh, Jordan Green's um, class I took my, my dad and I went out there and that was a very big eye opening experience seeing what he's doing out there I'm sure you're familiar with Jordan Green yeah um, yeah, went out there and got to do his sow, uh, his four-day class. That was amazing. Anybody, if, if you get a chance to go do it, uh, my dad was, we were, uh, it, was just, it was amazing. It's just cool to see how he's doing it. So this now this year we've implemented a lot of what I learned there. Uh, our pigs, our, our, uh, our sows are still up close to the waters and everything, but our, our uh, finishing pigs, are out on the pasture moving moving around. I got this about a hundred by hundred pens that I move every couple of days. Um, the sows are going to eventually do the same thing here once they're done farrowing. Our our bigger problem up here is our winter. Um, you know, it gets pretty cold up here, so pretty much when it comes to the beginning of October, everything comes back to the main main area where there's heated waters, and you know we're not having to deal with bucketing water in the winter time. But, We've kind of made it that start. That area pretty much sits empty throughout the summer, and then they, everybody comes back in the winter time, and they get to take care of that for a few months. Yeah, that's that's the thing I've discovered with uh, you guys that are more northern. Your sacrificial areas in the winter time uh, freeze over pretty good, so it's not nearly as destructive, say, as it is for us here in the Mid Atlantic or even in the South, where things become dormant. They don't grow anymore, but uh, a pig standing in the same spot for Four to five months creates a pretty big hole in the ground. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Or a mud yeah, pit. They do pretty good on the area they got them in. It, it works pretty good for for what it is. I mean, it's, the, the big thing is water up here. Our, our biggest hang up with everything we do up here is water. Is yeah. our, you know, we have we have 180 acres we rent and we don't have fence around it yet, but we 
put chickens out there, but we don't have any water out there. So it's either we truck water every day or we figure out how to put a sandpoint out there, which we haven't gotten around to yet. But, you know, the water is our hang-up. And in the wintertime, it's even more of an issue. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, you're dealing with those temperatures. So right now you talked about transporting a lot of water. Are you... Are you pulling from a well? Do you have a impoundment somewhere that you can you can get it from? What, what, how are you sourcing your water? Uh, that farm up there has a well on it that uh, he's got uh, he's got actual pig waters that are that have got heaters in them for the up by the buildings, and then we've run uh, we run three quarter inch pipe uh, black PVC all over the pastures as much as we can, and then our cattle. The cattle are actually we have a we have a hay wagon that we've got those big IBC coats. We got three or four of those on there that we keep full of water and fill that up every couple of days. Yeah. For the cattle. So. Okay, you mentioned that they're a little, they're a little easier to, to move the water for, and pig water is there. Pigs and water can be messy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that that was going to be my next question with that <laughs> with that uh, black pipe. Is that is that buried or is that laying on the ground? Uh, the black pipe right now. Uh, is laying on the ground. We do have plans in the next next year or two to actually bury some. We kind of are getting our feet wet, just trying to figure out which way where we want to where we want to lay stuff. You know, where we're going to drive, where we're going to. So all this all this land was was in crop and row crop for the last 15, 20 years. Oh yeah. So we're we're in the transition period. I mean, right now it's it's amazing. We've been out there for three years, and it's just crazy how how this. We're really seeing a big change this year of all the, the how green it's getting faster and the low spots that we do bale grazing and then we put we where the pigs or where the cattle were bale grazing last winter that's where the pigs are going over right now so there's all that straw out there that they're you know composting up and it's and it's just crazy how, how it looks how green it looks about three weeks after their path right we intercede we intercede before i i either do it before i move the pigs or after i move the pigs i intercede we got a mix it's mostly oats right now but trying to get some other stuff in there to get it going so. yeah excellent excellent yeah that i was i was wondering that black pipe being on the ground if you have issues with the the pigs messing with it, it seems like anything that i have laying on the ground that it, uh, they they flip it over you know, try to chew through it do whatever it, it seems like there's always no, I, uh, a way to molest I it i try to make it so that their pens aren't over the black pipe if i have to i drag it out of the way right that, that very reason that you just said yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, you, you'd mentioned Joel Salatin and Jordan Green and, and seen both of their operations in person. The thing I liked about Salatin specifically when it came to water was, just like you talked about, putting together a plan and executing it where you take this black pipe and they would run it down the edge of their pastures and every 100 yards, I believe it is, 100 yards, 100 feet, I think it's 100 yards, every 100 yards they put a, a hose bib, you know, they actually take a piece of uh, plastic culvert and stick it in the ground vertically to make like a little manhole. And that yep. way they can hook their hoses up to it, run their run their waters that way. And I, I think, yeah, that's the kind of thing you have on your to-do list. And it's a great infrastructure improvement. It just sometimes doesn't make it up the priority list because yeah, it, it, it kind of works the way it is now. So, yeah. <laughs> you just yeah, wanna... oh, no, definitely. It works now. And then our other, our other problem is we rent this pro- we rent this ground. So right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. We want to, you know, we want to put in what we can put in, and but we want to be able to take it with us when we go if we need to. Yeah, good point. Uh, my brother does, we use all fiberglass, our, our fences are all these uh, sucker rod, fiberglass sucker rod. He could explain it way more than me, but it's very move, all high tinsel. I mean, we could pick up and move if we had to. Obviously, we don't want to, but if we have to, we could. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it keeps you from putting Our it on plan the... right now, if we, if we did bury it, we would probably bury it really shallow so that in the event we would ever have to leave, we could rip it out and take it with us. Yeah. And we just blow it out every October. You know, every when it starts getting cold, we blow it all out, and we don't use it in the wintertime. Yeah, yeah. So, Good point, definitely. That's our, kind of our plan, but we're trying to figure out the best way to lay stuff with how everything's moving. We're still figuring out. We actually just picked up this last year. We picked up the neighbor's property. So that's new this year. So we're trying, okay, how can we, and there's no well or water on that. So it's like, all right, how do we, how do we lay this out so we can get the best bang for our buck? Yeah. <laughs> and with the cost of materials right now, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't want to take any building project on right now. So, I, built, uh, yeah. I built five of the Joel, or of the Jordan Green Fairwing huts. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that makes for ex- expensive piglets, doesn't it? <laughs> Ooh. I, 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 uh, I texted him when I, was, when I was getting done building them. I took a picture of them, and I told them, and I said something about these are these are worth gold. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. More, more cost per square foot than most people's houses right now. And then the, all my pigs, I put them out there. I got I bought we bought nine we bought nine thousand from a from a friend of mine from college, and that were bred. They're not they weren't really out. I mean they were outdoor pigs, but they weren't necessarily the pigs we were kind of looking. But it was a good deal that we got on them. I put them out there, and I put those the pigs out there, and not a one of them farrowed in that they all farrowed next to a hay bale or <laughs> right. somewhere else. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like that's too fancy to go in there. We can't, we can't go in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the way it goes. It seems like uh, that's why we have to here on our steep slope. We have to lock ours in a farrowing barn to get them to to farrow successfully. Because when they farrow on a hillside, it becomes uh, a bit of an issue because they just want to go where they want to go. Yeah, we don't have the hill problem. That's that's our. If it were a, if it would have been March, I'd have been a little bit more more uh, adamant that they put that they went inside or inside the a hut or inside one of the farrowing huts. But actually, we lucked out when the majority of those were farrowing. It's pretty nice. So yeah, good deal. Well, you had mentioned something um, earlier about your processing monthly. So that obviously, you've got a, a, a variety of groups of pigs of different ages. So. So is, how are you how are you working right now with that on the farm? Are there individual areas that you rotate within those groups, or do the groups kind of follow each other around? What how's your management of that? Um, the management of that is, is up and coming. Uh, we've got the the finishing pigs out on pasture right now. That was kind of the first group that I've gotten now trained to electric wire, um, and now like I said, once now I'll have another two groups of farrowing. I'll have another uh, this group that just got done farrowing. As soon as they're ready to wean, I'll have another. I'll have a second second group out on pasture, and then I'm going to try to probably morph the sows together from our original herd because we got to call some out of each of them mm-hmm. down to another group. And right now, the, our management for the for the farm is we're trying to put the pigs in the areas that need the most, um, as far as bare spots and whatnot that we can. We're using the pigs as as a as the tillers. Yeah, um, we've got a what is it, a 30-acre chunk that was all row crop last year that we no-tilled some oats into this year early on that we're going to run the pigs across and then seed behind the pigs. And hopefully by this fall, that'll be good enough for the cows to go over. Right now, it's the the pigs are, we're really pinpointing where, where they're going, what areas, because this stuff was in row crop and there's some really, really bad spots that need the, need the manure and need that, that 
a little bit of pig disturbance. Yeah. Answer that question. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like that, and and yeah, my goodness, there's there about twenty questions that came out of that that popped in my head. So it's somewhat new for me. I mean, last the last two years, we really didn't move the pigs a whole lot because um, I was I was nervous about wire, single wire, and poly. You know, and then after going out and seeing Jordan stuff, I was like, well, I can do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his his stuff's amazing. I, I enjoy. We've had him on the podcast. It's just amazing talking to him and seeing his setup and and just have just, you ever been out there and seen his stuff yeah yeah the shit, yeah he's 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 north of salatin a bit so yeah that that whole area is is fantastic farmland but uh yeah it's it's a neat setup i think if, if i'm not mistaken I, I, he only owns like two acres that he lives on i believe and everything else is leased i, I think yep yep yeah That's, yep and then he picked up another trunk i think he actually bought that trunk i don't know if that's yeah. him they'll probably listen to this and yell at me yeah. but uh when we were there in October, I added an extra day to our trip. I told my dad, I said, we're going to go down, we're going to go to Polyface. I said, I'm going to be this close to Polyface, I'm going to go see it. You know, I, I want to go see, it was spring, you know, it was October, so there wasn't much going on there, or end of October, whenever that class was. And uh, that was pretty cool just to go see that and how it was all laid out. And I actually ran into, I, I you know, you're driving down there and going, oh, maybe I'll see Joel and say hi, right? Well, I ran into him three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talked 20 minutes, you know, 20 minutes by the saw and 20 minutes by a four-wheeler. I mean, I had a good conversation with him, and I, I felt weird because it's like they're all trying to work, and we're just walking around. Like, this is weird. I think I would feel weird if somebody was just walking around right. while I'm trying to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a very interesting setup. I, I've been there, I think, I think, four times now, and I believe – Three of the four times I've run into him and talked to him, and uh, one time I had a really long conversation and found out that a, a good buddy of his uh, in college uh, was a, is a good friend of mine here locally. So we well, obviously had to talk about that for a while. But yeah, it, it's really neat to see the farm and and be able to, to have the freedom to walk all over it and, and be able to see how he's got things set up. Now you could be walking half a day because it's so large, but yeah, it's, it's nice oh, yeah. that he, he provides that service for you. So, I, real quick, I want to come back to um, to what you said because I think there's I think there's a um, a learning point in what you're saying here for a lot of our listeners, and and and, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but talking about processing monthly. So, of course, you're producing product, you have new product coming online each month, but you're not dealing with twelve different groups of pigs, so that you have your own groups processing each month. What, what I assume you're doing, you've got a smaller number of groups, but you're you're taking out of those groups X amount to process. So you may be processing a pig at seven months old, uh, seven and a half months old, eight months old, uh, six months old. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. And actually, what I what I'm going to start doing here is we've, the group that's out there. Um, I, my my plan is to try. And, I'm going to. I've been talking with our feed guy, and we might try to start limit feeding a few of those that are that are getting kind of big. Uh, well, well, I'm not going to split the group, but I, I won't have them on full, full feed. Yeah. Right now they're on 24-hour full feed, but I've got to get this group that's out there right now. And we take, when we go to market, we do, right now we're doing three pigs every month. And then and I, then we've got a couple bigger butcher dates towards the fall. Um, i got to try and get these pigs so they're not huge by then, but are maintaining, try to maintain their weight, which is, going to be kind of tricky i'll let you know how that all works out right, right. yeah <laughs> well so of course so the next have a balancing act yeah go I, ahead. no go ahead it, I, what 
ideal world is I'd have, you know, I want to take the Faro over a, over a course of, you know, we use, I do use you know, some AIing, but we use a, a bore, and actually our bore we just got, he, I don't think he's working, he's not working out, let's just say. Uh, he should have some pregnant girls, but he's, you know, nobody's bred, so, which is maybe a blessing in disguise, because now that'll, that'll push my farrowing out a little bit longer, so then I always have that, that stock of pig to pick from. I mean, we're pretty fortunate. Our our uh, our butcher is only forty five minutes. Not even he's what half hour away. Mm, wow. So that that's he's USDA inspected, which is I mean we're very very fortunate there, and we've been on his you know we schedule out with him a year almost six months in advance. Yeah, very good. With everything. Yeah, and that's the beauty of being the size customers you are and regularity that you are that that makes it worth his while to keep uh, keep you on the top of his list and. And make sure he's giving you the best customer service possible. So that's a good deal. That and when you when you say you're going to bring three pigs in, bring three pigs in. Right. Or yeah. Bring ten. Bring ten in. Don't we? I don't think we've had to, we've had to cancel one yet. He's we're on his old crap list, so he just he'll, he'll, he will call us and say, "Hey, I got an opening. You can bring something." Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> very good. Wow. That's that would be refreshing to have. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't happen very often. No, no, it doesn't. I'm sure, especially the last year. Well, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. okay, so I got to ask you too. So I know you've seen Jordan Greed, you've gone taking his classes, and with these groups and, and, and putting processing together monthly, how are you loading your pigs? Well, right now we're, we're loading up by our, our, uh, our pens, you could say, that are a little bit substantial. That, that works, seems to work pretty good. Yeah. Um, the, big, the big thing I've found in the last, I mean, I've loaded lots of pigs in my day, is when they get to that trailer, if they have to step up, you're done. Yeah. So what we don't, we, wherever we're at with that trailer, we dig holes, we dig where the wheels go down so that that thing is down to, what is that, six or seven inches that yeah. that rear end comes down. And we're fortunate that we have a, we have about four different pens we can put them in. So usually what we do is the three pigs we're taking, we got to scale. If we need to skip... A lot of times you don't have to scale them because we can. You can just tell by looking at them who's the biggest. But if we're having questions about it, we can run them over. We got a little scale that we can run them over quick oh, to make sure that excellent. they're the right size. Yeah. And then we load those those three or whatever pigs go on their own pen, and then in the morning we just rush them. You know, we're kind of set up there to load. I've not had to load out in the pasture yet. Okay. I have I have some ideas on that one. Um, there again, the big thing there is getting that. So that they don't have to move. If they have to do a step, they just they they don't pigs don't like stepping. Right. You know. Yeah. But if you can get them, our pigs. The fortunate thing I've, I've moved pigs out of a confinement building, and I've moved pigs. Our pigs move. Um, the sows that we got from this gentleman here a couple months ago, they didn't even want to get off the trailer. You know, they came from a semi-confinement facility, and it was like, my gosh, just they don't even want to move. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had to pretty much lift every one of them off there. Goodness, and that was exciting. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but if you keep the, I've found if you keep the pigs moving, they go. They we don't normally we knock on something. We haven't we haven't had too many problems. Yeah, no, that's great. So it sounds like your groups you're rotating them back through, or you've got your four um, corralling pins or loading pins with your scales in specific spots. So you just know, yep. okay, when they come through here, it's time to grab the three biggest ones. So yeah, so that was the thing I was wondering. You had said with, with the Jordan Green, with his process of loading out on pasture with his um, with his pop-up panels that he does, 
Uh, just curious if you were doing that type of stuff or if you had uh, key infrastructure. So it sounds like it's a good good balance there. The my plan was the ones that are out on pasture. Like right now, when we moved all the pigs out of pasture, I kept back the next nine pigs that were going to go to market. I kept those up by the barn, up in the pen. And then, so the next time when we go out here, probably the end of this month, we'll go out to that group that's out there right now, and we'll take I'll take nine or twelve, you know, I'll take some pigs out of there and put them up in the barn so they're up closer when we need to load. So we're only going out there maybe once every two months to take pigs off pasture. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of my thought there. And then, you know, find a hydraulic trailer one of these days would be, would be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That's that's something that always on somebody's grocery list as well to, to have at some point. Those are those are definitely handy to have. Well, excellent. Well, Sandy, I want to, I don't want to take up all night, but so I want to spend some time. Well, that's fine. I want to spend some time talking about um, something that you had uh, mentioned in your pre-screening information and that with the size of your operation, with the beef, with the pork, with the chicken, the eggs, the lamb, turkeys, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards there, that you guys are complete um, direct-to-consumer with your process. So you direct market all of your product. And I, I, I love that idea. I love that's where that you guys are because I think that's where... A farmer can control the you know, has the most control over his product, his profit margin, um, basically just every aspect of it. So, so tell me, how did that happen? Did you guys just decide out of the gates we're not doing anything wholesale, we're not going to do anything commodity, we're 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 going to go straight to direct to consumer? And how, what was the genesis of that idea? Hmm. Well, I, when we when I started with chicken, it was it was. That was all word of mouth, you know, like most guys do. And I had a, from at least in this area, um, growing up, I already had kind of a customer base from 4-H pigs, the people that had been buying pigs for me before. Um, so we went down that route. And then, most, I mean, it's, it's the Facebook and the social media, the, the social media things. And my sister-in-law, Emily, deals with most of our social media stuff. So I don't want to ran her parade but she does an amazing job there with everything and she knows how to make the algorithms you know she knows how to make them work for in our advantage however that's, that's way above me <laughs> i take care of them when they're alive right right <laughs> um but that was kind of our you know and the farmers markets around here are we we were we had thought about doing some farmers markets at, at a point it was hard to get into them i mean we, went to, we toured uh, the farmer's market just south of here, and we are walking around, and so we met with the manager, and she's like, what do you guys sell? I said, well, it would be chicken and pork. At that time, that's always, it was me and my wife at the time before my brother moved back here, and we're like, just, you know, chicken and pork. And she goes, well, you know, we already have somebody selling pork here. I was like, yeah, but you have like 70 people selling tomatoes. Right. What, what's the difference? Yeah. And it kind of put a bad feeling in my about just put a bad I didn't feel right about it I was like you know what I'm I think we're going to stick with the online um, sales we, we do do we use grace cart that's been a big help um, as far as, as getting our shopping area working for us um, we do we do ship we have we don't advertise that we do a lot of shipping but we are we are able to ship that's actually one of our uh, things we're going to start pushing here we were going to push shipping last year but then COVID came about and we stopped because we ran out of everything yeah <laughs> but uh big word of mouth we actually we got in coots 
uh, I got in with the co-op, the Elk River Co-op. I got in with them. They were trying to start a co-op, so that that was a big that was a big word of mouth thing. We offered them a discount, and that's kind of you no know, the the drivers of the co-op have kind of. I don't think it's going to have a really amount to a store. That's what they were looking for to happen. But I got in with that crowd, and that really helped us get moving. And then the big one is the social media. I mean, I know you probably could call my sister-in-law and have a whole entire episode about social media. Yeah. Her. I mean, she's, it's, it's what she's doing. It's, and with her and my wife, it's just, I don't want to take credit for that by any means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we may have to put that on the schedule because I, I think I think our listeners would appreciate that um, and, and, and being able to, to, to dive into the nuance of, of what's working for you all. And, and so we may have to uh, may have to schedule her for that. So Yeah, I, I guess and yeah, so I, what's working for us is, it, you know, we're not, we share everything. We're not, we're not, we're open book. We, we people want to know, you know, I have people all the time say, well, I can go and get this over here. It's like, well, then go get it over there. I go buy it there. It's cheaper. That's fine. You want to come out and see or see how it's raised? Come out and see how it's raised. And a lot of times they're like, well, man, I really want to buy it from you. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it sells itself once oh. they see it. In a, in a roundabout way, it does. It, and it's, you know, George, sometimes my brother and I struggle a little bit with being the faces, you know, talk, you know, I do at least sometimes. Like, I don't feel like I have the knowledge, but now it's, after being in this for so long, I probably do. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so with that, so with the online sales. So, what's your distribution method? Do you have a farm store on on site, or is it all delivery, or is it pickup? How well, how is well, that facilitated? What we do now is we we do have a farm store that just opened. We just finally officially opened the farm store oh, a couple months ago. Um, it's on my brother's. My, my brother actually bought one of the lots from my parents and lives right across from the, from the, that's where our main farm is actually, my parents' place, the place I grew up on. It looks nothing like it is. All it is the house now. All the barns are gone and everything, but that's our main farm. You could say it's where the brooder is and everything, and that's where the farm store is. We do a lot there. We do pretty much door, door-to-door delivery right now. When, when, when COVID came about, we, we really pushed our, our door-to-door sales. So we have bi-weekly deliveries. I mean, with, with the area that we live in, we're 50 miles from the center, from, you know, downtown Minneapolis. So, I mean, we have a very big area to, to serve, you know. Yeah. population is huge. I just did deliveries today um, right to your door. We've got little green bags, little insulated green bags that we come to your door. We put it and ring the doorbell and take the empty one and leave you what you, what you ordered and move to the next one. We do that. Uh, Elk River, we do every other week. We do the city's. There's a city's route, um, and then as, as, as we get more and more in an area, we'll do a more designated route for a specific area. Um, we're toying around with the idea now of doing more of a drop site thing for certain places, because you do start to get enough people buying that you can do the drop site thing, uh, and then we ship. Yeah. Those are the three, three ways we get rid of, we, we move product. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should say there's a fourth. We were we are in with a co-op over in St. Cloud. That's an interesting story. Is this vegetarian that runs the meat department? So, <laughs> yeah, well, at, least, going, at least keeps them honest, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it doesn't worry them yeah, stealing it's product. A very, it's, a, it's a very interesting. My sister-in-law has been dealing with that over there, and then 
So we do some stuff through there, not as much as we were hoping that we were going to be doing. Um, and then we actually just had a little uh, uh, pizza joint or uh, oven pizza place up north of Princeton that's the rest, you know, they do catering and events and stuff. They've started buying product from us now this last two weeks ago. So that's, that's our first there. So. Oh, wow. Excellent. So your first... Uh... You're first dealing with uh, other businesses, other restaurants there. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, now we're hoping that that can be a foot in the door there. Yeah. Uh, for you know, for everything, it's always you know production. When I was doing this originally, you know, when I first started, it was like, well, I don't have enough. I don't want to oversell and not be able to fulfill. You know, and that was one thing I did take from from Jordan Green's classes. There is, you know, if somebody calls and says they want 300 pounds of ham. That if you have 300 pounds of ham. You're going to sell it, you know. So don't, don't be afraid to carry inventory. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So, um, so yeah, wow. My goodness. It's almost, it almost be worth another whole episode just to talk about your distribution model and, and how, how that evolved and how that developed. But I really like what you're saying here that your, your plan or your process in going direct market is is something that was organic it just happened so as you built and obviously it didn't obviously you did a lot of hard hard work but it wasn't that doesn't sound like there's a conscious decision at the beginning to say we're not going to do this we're specifically going to do this and that's how it's going to work it it kind of just evolved and and flowed in the direction that it was going as as word of mouth spread as you saw the opportunity to do so then you innovated added these additional options added the online that took advantage of the uh, digital marketing opportunities there and really just built this based on how the customer moved. Oh, yeah. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I love that. We, we kind of, that's kind of how we do, you know, we do, we have a couple other little businesses that we do and it's where the opportunity presents itself. You know, we got to, you got to be, you got to be flexible enough that you, you can, you can move in a direction that you need to, that you need to move when it's time to move. You know, that, that's, Probably something I learned, you know, back. My parents were farming, and you know, just to be able to adapt to the ever-changing. Like, you know, you get the commodity side of things. There's the big farms and stuff. They can't adapt. Now, when COVID hit and all these plants shut down, all of a sudden you can't move stuff. Right. You know, yeah. you're you're sitting there. I've got relatives that farm in southern Minnesota. That what do they have? Like two thousand or three thousand head farrow operation. I mean, it's just crazy. Wow. Absolutely nuts. And. When those places shut down, you can't you can't adapt, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because we can't. We that's the luck of doing what we do, and I'm not. We're not the only ones that do this, you know. We can adapt to that market if we need to. Right. Yeah. That's fantastic. Definitely. Be be more agile when when these things happen. Of course, you know, nobody expected a global pandemic to come along, but but man, no. like you said, the, the people that lost. You know, that lost their life savings, lost their fortune, lost their entire business model uh, from something like this, and then there's others that remained agile and, and could keep the process rolling. So it, hopefully, it's going to be a, a learning experience for a lot of us. I'm afraid that just like anything, we will we'll forget at some point. But uh, hopefully, there's uh, there's some good that can come out of this that we can all learn from. I think so. I think I think in the end of this, I mean, we're pretty opened up now, but. I think you're, you're going to have, we've picked up lots of new customers. We're going to lose some customers. You're always going to lose customers and you're always going to gain customers. So. Yep. What we always say. Initial, yeah. What we'd always say in marketing, it was a bucket with a hole in it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, 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 you know, the big thing for George and I have always talked about is, you know, 
we want we want to be adaptable. And in, and in our situation, we rent we rent all of our land. But Morris Farms does not own any land. Yeah. Well. You know, we 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 need to be able to move on a not a on a short notice, but you know, all of our leases and everything like that. We may need to be need to everything needs to be mobile, and and so we 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 do kind of gear that everything that way. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, we did. Our freezer, our freezer trailer is a is a old semi trailer that we put a walk in freezer in. So yeah. if we need to move it, we just unplug it and hook it up and move it. Yep. <laughs> yep. I got a buddy who did the same thing. It's 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 yep. fantastic. Just everything's on wheels. It's like a carnival. You just get up and move on to the next spot if you have to. I don't want to, but if we had to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Eddie, looking forward, what what would you say like five-year plan going forward have you sit down have you guys forecasted five years what what does it look like even if it's not something you've drawn out on paper what do you think where's walker farms going to be in five years oh that's a good question uh when you when you talk about you know back to when we were talking about the, all these entities and everything that's that's probably one of our hurdles right now that we're dealing with is is the structural part of of the operation you know the day-to-day vision that 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 question i you know i have mine my brother has his we all kind of have our own i mean we we kind of joke that we wanted to be the jordan green and polyface farms of minnesota yeah yeah <laughs> um as far as the pig operation goes i'd, I'd love to be uh, we do, i do have an outside job i'd love to be at a point where we don't have to have an outside job um anymore that would be lovely <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um, to move on to that um in five years, I think, I mean, obviously doing more products, but I'd love to start, we, we, we would, I know I'd love to start doing more educational stuff um, as far as having farm tours. We haven't done farm tours yet. We have, we're, we're trying to set one up here for the end of the year for some of our customers and stuff, and I'd love to, to start doing some stuff like Jordan does, having classes, having people out to, to learn from my mistakes and that would be a it's definitely on the list of the five years but uh to be more self-sufficient as far as like that both my brother and i will both work off farm our big goal right now is to get ourselves so that one of us isn't working off the farm one of us is full-time employed um but that's a hurdle in itself sometimes yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there's there's all kinds of tentacles that go along with that too when it's when it comes time to quit the day job all right. I don't know if that really answered their question, but... <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's good. And that's that's the thing I think, and again, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I, I think that's the thing good for our listeners to, to hear. You, you've got an operation that's pretty well advanced and pretty evolved, but when it comes to sitting down and forecasting, looking ahead, there's it, it's it's okay to still have you know, question areas or things that are that are cloudy or not 100% sure, but just knowing that with multiple people involved in this setup that... Yeah, we need to have these farm meetings. We need to have these discussions. We need to set these goals and all be on the same page. So I, I think it's good. I appreciate you sharing that with us. So we know we know that yeah, not not everybody in the position you are has has everything ironclad and ready to go, that you've got a five-year plan written out on a document. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah. We don't. That's something. Like, we finally this year have started having more farm meetings. You know, it, it, we actually have one. As soon as I'm done with this call, we're having a farm meeting tonight about uh, about lamb. Yeah. And the way we've actually started to do it, which works pretty good for us, is we have, I live off the farm. I'm about 10 miles away from the main farm. And my wife and I, we have two kids. 
So for us to have a meeting at 7 o'clock at night is difficult because we have to put the kids to bed. So we've actually switched. Even though my parents and my brother are 10 miles away, we do a Zoom meeting. That way we can just be here and yeah. there's another meeting, we can go to bed. That's right. Embrace the don't technology. Don't got to worry about the kids. Don't gotta, that seems to be working for us pretty good. Um, it, it, is a, it is a struggle sometimes, though. You probably could have a whole podcast about, about communication because we're dealing <laughs> with six different people and communication and, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a, I'm sure there's an extra little nuance in there, the fact that you're all related, too. That, that probably throws a little, uh, little extra work into it as well. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, Eddie, I have to I have to ask you the question I ask everyone else. And obviously, you've got sounds like you've got some years of experience under your belt with pigs. But what do you find is your most favorite part about raising pigs on pasture? Oh man, there's nothing better than moving pigs and hearing the pigs munch on grass. <laughs> yes, I do enjoy that, or the sound of baby pigs chuckling on you know eating but I, my, my wife kind of gave me a hard time the one of our first if you go to our, on our facebook page there's i'm like looking at it right now but there's a picture of a sow eating a pumpkin and that was we call her she's like big mama number two i think is she's she one of the perks we got and we just decided all right we're going to start farrowing because these pigs are beautiful and uh that was actually the first litter we had on walker farms since 1990 i mean the last litter my dad had was in 1994 and I came into the into the little hut thing, and I heard those pigs chuckling, and I went down there and looked at them. I actually started to cry because it was, it was, that is pretty cool. And I like called my wife. I went, like, baby, 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 pigs, we got baby pigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was so excited that it's that, that never. There's something about baby pigs that never gets old. Right. Yeah, oh. <laughs> uh, I, w- I would agree. Yeah, the stresses on the front end of that, the farrowing, the breeding, all of that. Uh, but then once you see them on the ground and, and man, it's just, I, I love just taking a bucket, just turning it upside down, sit on it in the pasture and just, I, I can sit there for a half hour or more just, just watching them run around. It, it is a, a real treat. Oh, that's what our, our son Cohen likes when I go out to move pigs. He likes to sit on the wagon and let them, you know, these are bigger pigs, they come up and munch on him and yeah. chase him around. Now, he, now that we got the baby, he likes to do the same thing in there. Goes in there and sits, make him over and sniff on him and whatnot. So awesome. He's always got to go check on his couple favorite styles. So yeah, good deal, good deal. <laughs> well, Andy, you mentioned it just there, but if you would tell our listeners if they want to find out more about your operation, where are the places they can find you online? Um, WalkerFarmsMN.com is our website, and then we are on Facebook. I believe is Walker Farms MN on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We have a YouTube page that I should probably know the handle to, but I don't. I believe it's Walker Farms MN. Um, yeah, cool. See, what else am I missing? I think, that's, I think that's the ones we're all on right now. Okay, Facebook, okay. Facebook, or internet, or web page, and then we have a YouTube page. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Do you have Instagram? Did you mention Instagram? Yeah, we got Instagram on there. Yeah, okay. Good deal. Uh, Like I said, my wife and my sister-in-law deal with all that stuff, so I I should know all that way better than what I do. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, they'll they'll get you for that, I'm sure, at some point. Oh, I'm sure 
my wife's listening right now. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't remember that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that'll be the thing. I'll I'll post all of that down in our uh, show notes. Obviously, uh, I'm sure if you go to their website, you can get uh, links to all the other social media as well. But uh, I would suggest everyone check that out. So obviously, there's and he's got a lot going on there with the with the with the farm with the the pack of walkers that he works with and. And so you guys check that out and see what he's got going on. Well, Andy, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me this evening. And I know you've got a farm meeting to get on to. Uh, so you're going to switch technology here a little bit and have a good meeting. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me tonight. No, I really appreciate the opportunity to share to share everything, that, that the knowledge we have. And if you ever want to talk again, let me know. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely want to take you up on that. So you can maybe uh, plan, an ear, plan a bug in the in uh, the ear about talking about Facebook and some other things and, and may even come yeah. back. Uh, there's, there's several things I'd like to talk to you more about. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll give you a break for a little bit, but maybe circle back around later and, uh, and maybe readdress some of these issues. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right. Well, you have a good evening. It's good talking to you. Well, I appreciate Andy taking the time to sit down and talk with me. And, and uh, as you heard there at the end, I think there would be some benefit in circling back around with him and just getting some additional insights on their direct marketing and this the scope in which they're taking care of customers without having to rely on a bunch of wholesale work. Good stuff there. Well, I appreciate everybody listening. I know August, I think we may have been, uh, this, this should have been our second episode in August, and here it is in September. So uh, a little behind the, the curve on that, but uh plan to get back in it it seems like there's something about September that really just kind of gets the juices flowing to me August was so hot and so wet that I just just kind of sucked the wind out of me on on a lot of things but I think um, I think we're back at it ready to uh, get back in our uh, two episodes a month and then of course uh, be adding the additional episodes to the Patreon account as well well feel free <laughs> Woo, there you go that's that's a sign that you're about done with the voice right <laughs> We're going to leave that in there because that was just fun. All right, so feel free to reach out. Of course, you know how to do that, redtoolhouse.com. Click on the Pastured Pig podcast link. Use that form there if you'd like to come on, you'd like to make some suggestions of of future guests or topics, and I'd be more than happy to entertain that. Well, we appreciate everybody watching, and I pray that you all have a great week. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.